just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. We are in the weekend. Hopefully you'll have a day or two or an hour or two to uh, let everything go from your mind and relax a little bit. These weeks can be pretty hectic. We've got jobs, we've got families, we've got our own issues, and then we've got all this crazy news shit and all the things that are happening in this country. We all need at least an hour to relax and let our minds go. Otherwise, we'd go fucking crazy. We'd go so fucking crazy, we may end up like the goddamn Republicans. (laughs) But anyway, I bring that up because um, I normally do a podcast almost every day. There are days I skip. And I just wanted to give you a heads up. I will not be doing a podcast tomorrow. It's not because I don't want to do a podcast. It's because my wife and I are going away from home. We're getting out from underneath the sub-zero temperatures here in Minnesota, and we're going to seek warmer climes. And uh, in this occasion, we are going to Palm Springs, California. Now, you'll probably ask, why Palm Springs? Well, why not? Never fucking been there before. And uh, we're only going to be there a couple of days. We're leaving today. We will be back Monday. So uh, it's just a brief trip just to get into some warmer weather for a little bit. Then we're coming back because the family's all here and uh, we have our responsibilities here. So we will be back fairly quickly. But you won't have another podcast tomorrow. Hopefully I'll be in early enough Monday to get one done then. And of course, after that, we're back on our regular schedule. And just about every day you're going to hear a Rational Boomer podcast. And the reason I can do that is because there's always so much crazy shit going on that we need to talk about. And let's talk about crazy shit. This may be one of the craziest things or the most frightening things I've heard to come out of the uh, Trump administration. Now, you know that uh, Donald Trump has been trying to keep hidden these White House documents from in and around January 6th. They were being held in the National Archives. The House Select Committee wanted to see them. Donnie sued in federal court. He lost. He appealed. He lost. Then he appealed to the Supreme Court, and he lost again. He couldn't delay it as long as he wanted to, and he had no chance of winning it. So now most, if not all, of those 700 documents held by the National Archives has been released to the House Select Committee. Now, We are going to be hearing a lot of things over the next couple of weeks as they go through this and they expose some of the things that are happening. But they have told us about a couple of things that were in those documents. And to be perfectly honest with you, that may be the craziest shit ever. It tells us just how close we came to an actual actual, uh, successful coup. The National Archives has the 700 documents, as I mentioned, that Donald Trump has been trying to hide. Now, among those documents was an executive order. Now, this was a draft executive order. It was not signed. It was not enacted. But it was written, and Donnie Trump 
was looking to sign it. Now, the traffic executive order shows the weeks between Election Day, November 3rd, and January 6th, and how they could have been way more chaotic than they already were. And let's be honest, it was fucking crazy during that period of time. It looks like this uh, executive order was written on December 16th. Now, we don't know who wrote it. We know that Donald Trump didn't sign it or enact it, thankfully. But we knew it was on the uh, table to possibly be signed by Donald Trump. Now, what this executive order does, it empowers the defense secretary, the Pentagon, to seize, collect, retain, and analyze all voting machines, electronically stored information. It also says the uh, defense secretary had 60 days to investigate it, the data. Now, first of all, that 60 days would be to keep Donald Trump in office through February. And that's all he really wants is more time so he can create more chaos and create more confusion so he can figure out a way how to stay in office even though he was voted out. But can you imagine if our armed services, the Pentagon, the defense secretary, sent servicemen and women out to confiscate voting machines all over the country or maybe just in those states that were swing states where Donnie lost? But can you imagine if our Armed services went out, seized all this stuff, started digging through it, even though they have no expertise with that sort of thing, going through all the data. That could have been a fucking mess in this country. That could have been the end of our democracy. Now, the fact of the matter is, him wanting to do this is a problem because it's illegal. And it's illegal uh, because of uh, it being a clear violation of something called the Posse Comitatus Law. Now, as far as what I understand about the Posse Comitatus Law is that it was created back in the days of Ulysses S. Grant after the Civil War when Grant was the president. Now, what Grant had done was used our armed services to protect black citizens from, you know, the fucking racist hordes. And it was decided that uh, our armed services shouldn't protect or, or fight people domestically. They should only be for outside the country, and that's kind of stuck for a long time. The idea of Donald Trump trying to send the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, whoever, to go out and confiscate these voting machines is clearly a violation of that law. Had it been enacted, that would have been a problem for Donald Trump. But the fact that he's even talking about it or thinking about it just adds to the entire scenario with this situation on January 6th and leading up to January 6th. You know, when these these uh, um, insurrectionists attacked the uh, capital. We threw around that word, coup. 
Now, we didn't know if it was a coup exactly when it first happened. A lot of people said, and maybe some people thought, that it was just a wild crowd outside and they got out of hand and they went indoors. And they called that a coup, and that was well-placed and well-stated. It would have been a coup had they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. If they had stopped the constitutional event in certifying the election and just coming into the uh, Capitol, desecrating the Capitol, and uh, fighting and killing our U.S. Capitol police officers. But the problem with it is, is that we're seeing this was a much bigger thing. I mean, at the time of January 6th, we thought this was horrible, and we saw, thought some angry crowd went in and tried to overturn an election and overthrow our government, and that was crazy enough. But we had no idea what the fuck was really going on because what was going on was far more extensive and far more insidious. There were plans, there were efforts, there were strategies to, in fact, amount a coup against this country, overthrow our government, allow Donald Trump to remain in office as a dictator. That's how close it was. I mean, when you think about this, just how true and real this possibility of a coup can be understood when you see all the other things that had happened. Now, these insurrectionists, this just wasn't a wild crowd that uh, mounted an attack against the U.S. Capitol. Now we are finding out that there was some coordination, some assistance, some comfort given by sitting members of Congress, by the uh, people in the Oval Office in the White House, part of the Trump administration, Donald Trump himself standing on a podium inciting these people. We know that during the attack, Donald Trump sat on his ass in his dining room watching the insurrection on TV. We know that people came in and they called him and said, you must do something, and he did nothing. He knew what was going on, and he knew what he was trying to accomplish. His own daughter came in and said, Dad, you got to do something. And still, he did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. And, you know, it's funny. These Republicans will say that uh, they offered the National Guard to Nancy Pelosi, but she turned them down. The reason they're saying that is because Donald Trump said that. And, of course, we know Donald Trump is a pathological liar. That never happened. Donald Trump never or nobody in the White House ever asked Nancy Pelosi if she wanted the National Guard. In fact, there were a number of other people calling, begging for the National Guard. They want to try to blame it on Nancy Pelosi. But if anyone was responsible for holding back the National Guard, it was Donald Trump. There was a document that went out a few days before the insurrection limiting what the National Guard could do if they ended up going out. But Donald Trump felt like that, why take any chances? We'll just hold them back for three hours before we send them out. And when they finally went out, of course, everything had pretty much ended. Because these dumb fucks get into the Capitol, then they don't know what to do. <laughs> it's like a dog chasing a car. 
Yeah, you can chase that car as long as you want. But what happens when you catch it? What are you going to do? You have no fucking clue. Now, we know that uh, Donald Trump was looking to sign this executive order. You got to put all these things together to understand how serious this was. We just talked about the executive order. He wanted the military to go out and grab up all the voting machines, go through it, spend 60 days, extend his presidency, and cause some confusion so he could do whatever he does. Remember, he said that before. He talked to Attorney General Rosen at the DOJ, and he said, just tell them there's some fraud going on or somebody's trying to steal the election, and then I'll handle it from there. See, he is a expert in creating chaos. And then when he creates that chaos, he can bring other things into it and ultimately create enough chaos where he can get his way by staying in office. And that's that's what he was doing. The idea of sending the military out to grab up all these voting machines is absolutely fucking crazy. That would be the demise of our democracy and our country. That's how close it came. It's frightening, to be perfectly honest with you. And then we start hearing about these states that sent out these phony certificates of ascertainment. These is, this is where you had uh, fake electors sign and say that Donald Trump won. Now, these were all in states where he lost to Joe Biden. They attempted to create these fake documents and send them into the National Archives and hoping against hope that uh, something would happen, some confusion, like what we're talking about with Donald Trump. I mean, think about this. Donald Trump wanted to... um, grab up all these voting machines. Now, if he'd been successful with that, then he would send out these fake certificates of ascertainment with the phony electors. See, it's all a process. This is all planned. He gets all the machines. He creates the confusion with that. Then he sends the new electors in, and uh, the confusion is just built and built and built, and he believed that he could get people to accept those phony certificates. Now, I don't think Donald Trump's smart enough to think of this all on his own. I know he's not. So somebody had to be helping it with him. Basically, Donald Trump says, I want to do this. Come up with a way to do it. And that's what they did. So now we've got these seven states instead of a couple of states. And they're sending in these documents, these phony documents with the fake electors. Now, at first, like the insurrectionists, you thought, well, just some crazy fucks doing some crazy shit. But no, 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 no. We find out now that these electors, phony electors, were working with Rudy Giuliani, who was working in conjunction with Donald Trump, may have even been um, paid by Donald Trump at that point, although Donald Trump doesn't pay anybody. But you know what I mean. So now we find out these phony electors and these phony certificates were created and started by Rudy Giuliani and other people in the White House. Well, that's more troubling than we thought. 
just like with the attack on the Capitol. It's one thing to, for crazy people to go in and just attack the Capitol, but when you find out that sitting members of Congress and the White House are involved, that uh, rises it to another level. And the same with these documents. Some crazy states like Arizona or whoever sent this shit in, that's crazy. But when we find out that the White House and Rudy Giuliani were behind it, whoa, that's a, um, that's a much bigger deal. So you see what's happening here. We have an attempt to mount a coup on the United States of America. At first, it seems like a pretty weak try at it. But now we're finding out about all the things tied to it. And we're finding out that this was planned over a long period of time. There were strategies. They set things up to make it work for them. We've got insurrectionists who are coordinating with the White House and sitting members of Congress. We have Donald Trump calling Georgia to try to flip the election, to try to under, um, uh, undermine the election in Georgia. And we know he made some other calls to Michigan and some other swing states where he lost. That's going on. Then we find out that there are documents, fake documents, set in. And then we hear that he wants to do an executive order and grab up all the voting machines. You see how bad this looks? This isn't just dumb fuck Donnie trying to confuse the situation. There was a real plan here. There were were several tentacles to this plan. And they were all put into the works. I mean, this was an attack from all directions. They knew what the fuck they were doing. This wasn't just some wild-ass Donnie Trump thing. There were many people involved in it. Like I said, maybe sitting members of Congress, maybe people in the Senate, certainly people in the White House, and maybe even Donald Trump and his family themselves. Any one of these things sound crazy, but if you put them all together, you realize just how serious this shit is. It's not just a politician acting badly. It's not just Richard Nixon sending some people to break into the Democratic uh, National Headquarters. That's fucking nothing. That ain't nothing. And Nixon had to resign, and there were public hearings. This is far more serious than anything Richard Nixon did. We kept hearing people saying that our democracy was hanging by a thread. And most of us probably thought, well, you're just being dramatic. We've done it this long. It wasn't really going to happen. But when we look at all the things that did happen, and had they worked... We could have very well seen a coup. We could have very well made Donald Trump the dictator. We could have overthrown this country. And that's what people need to understand. There's a lot of people out there saying, oh, the insurrection wasn't that big a deal, or this isn't a big a deal. Here's the thing. You've got to put all these things together and really look at it. And to suggest that there's no conspiracy here, Well, if you say that, you're fucking blind and you're stupid and you're evil because that's exactly what was going on. 
And it wasn't just Donald Trump. And it wasn't just his administration. It was other Republicans throughout the country that are attempting to do this. We've got the people in Arizona, you know, with the cyber ninja audits. They were helping in this situation. Now we're hearing about states wanting to create uh, election police who will be looking into all the all the uh, fraud. And uh, the fact of the matter is you want to hire people to do a job that isn't even necessary yet. I'm willing to suggest that the 2020 election has been the most investigated, most recounted election in the history of this country. And with all of that being done, not one shred of evidence has ever, ever, ever been found. Not one. Not a single shred of evidence has been found. It's It's a little frightening to see what this country is going through, how close we've been to a coup, and to understand that we're not done with it yet. We're not saved yet. A lot of people thought when Joe Biden became president, everything would be better and we'd be fine. But we still have 50 senators that are Republican in the Senate. We still have people in the House. And these people are insurrectionists, they're treasonists, they're seditionists, and they're still in their positions of power. So we still have some trouble. We should be still worried about what could happen in terms of overthrowing this country. We're not done yet. This is like a slow-moving coup. It didn't work the first time around, but nothing really has changed. These people have the same attitudes. And the reason why nothing has changed is because these people aren't in fucking jail yet. And I'm hoping against hope with the House Select Committee that these people will be exposed. The DOJ will do what they're supposed to do and make these people accountable. Because if they are not accountable, we are at risk of having this happen again. And it could be Democrat or Republican. Once people see you can get away with this shit, they're going to do it again. There is absolutely no question about it. You can't trust politicians. They only care about their own egos, their own benefits. They'll think about you as an afterthought, maybe. But if they see an opening, they're going to jump on that opening and they're going to exploit it. And that's what we need to be worried about. I'm thankful for the House Select Committee being able to expose these things. And I'm hoping that there will be some shame over it when it's very clear of what's happening. I think things are going to take a turn for the worst for the Republicans when we start seeing the public hearings, when we start seeing them on TV, when we see the people speak it from their mouths, people who either aren't paying attention or don't understand, or unwilling to listen to, will be forced to hear it when that starts to occur. And that is going to be the big turning point in this country, when we start seeing the public hearings for the insurrection, the January 6th committee. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Well, this past week wasn't a good week for the Republicans or Donald Trump. And every 
sign we see now suggests it's going to get worse and worse and worse through November of 2022. I think that's the plan with the Democrats and the House Select Committee. Keep exposing things every day. Remember I said that. Between now and 2022, November, we are going to see things almost every day be released and exposing the Republicans for who, what, who they are and what they are. And they're doing this on purpose so that we can see the Republicans tore down slowly but surely. But to be perfectly honest with you, last week the Democrats wasn't, weren't having a good week either. They had kind of a bad week. Democrats took a beating in their efforts to pass the voting rights bill. Now, Joe Biden and the Democrats have been getting a lot of heat about getting this voting rights bill passed. People of color especially. They're the ones that are going to suffer with these voter suppression laws in the individual state. I've said before, Joe Biden needs to get this thing passed. He needs to find a way, by hook or crook, get this fucking thing done. This is the most crucial legislation that we will see this year. But unfortunately, the Republicans want no part of voting rights. They're against voting rights. In fact, Joe Manchin and Mitch McConnell have said as much. They've said, well, there's not really a problem. Everything's okay. It's one thing for Mitch McConnell to say that, but Joe Manchin, that is fucking absolutely bullshit, and you know it. Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema stood in the way of getting the filibuster carved out. Now, here's the deal. They went to vote on the voting rights bill in order to pass it in the Senate with the filibuster They needed 60 votes, but unfortunately, there's only 50 Democrats. They knew they were going to lose this, but they wanted to get it on record as to those people that voted against voting rights, so they had to own it. Now, the plan then afterwards would be go back and vote on carving out the filibuster, making it so that that voting bill could pass just this once This carve-out would only be for that voting bill on that day at that vote. But as we know, Joe Manchin and Christian Sinema wouldn't budge. They said, no, I'm not going to do that. They did say, well, we're for the voting rights bill, but we're not going to change the filibuster. Which is kind of weird because the filibuster has been changed before. I mean, back when... Donald Trump wanted to give the tax break to the rich people to the tune of $2 trillion. Democrats had access to the filibuster. And there was no way the Senate was going to pass it because they couldn't get 60 Republican votes because the minority Democrats said, no, we're using the filibuster. So you know what Mitch McConnell did? You know, Mitch McConnell talking about how serious it is to carve out this fucking filibuster, how it would change the world. That's what Joe Manchin said, too. Well, somehow, some way, Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the Senate found a way to carve out the filibuster and pass that $2 trillion tax cut to the rich. 
Isn't that fucking amazing? But when it comes down to voting rights, the Republicans want no part of it. Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema say, oh, no, that's a bridge too far. Well, your buddies on the Republican side didn't think it was a bridge too far when they wanted to hand over $2 trillion to rich people and take it out of the pockets of the middle class. So Joe Manchin, Christian Cinema, Mitch McConnell, your arguments are fucking bullshit. You're lying. You are thieves. You are stealing money from the middle class and giving it to your buddies on the rich side of the street. Isn't that ironic that that's what they did? Now, I'm a little irritated about the Democrats and Joe Biden regarding this. They know how serious this is, and they know the potential problems. Joe Biden is the president of the United States, the most powerful man in the country. He spent 36 years in the Senate. He knows all these people. You would think if anybody could get this pulled off for the betterment of this country in order to save the democracy, Joe Biden would be able to get this done. And Joe Biden didn't get it done. And that's frustrating. Now, you Joe Biden fans, don't get mad at me. I'm not disappointed in Joe Biden being president, but I'll be perfectly honest with you. Almost anybody would have been a better choice than Donald Trump. Joe Biden has plenty of positives, and he's accomplished quite a lot in this first year, probably more than any other president. He doesn't get credit for it all, but uh, he has done a lot. I mean, economy is looking up, jobs, unemployment, All kinds of things. But sometimes Joe Biden doesn't seem to be tough enough. We see the Republicans become vicious and mean and treacherous. And sometimes you have to be prepared to battle in the same way. And it doesn't seem like Joe Biden's willing to do that. This voting rights bill was essential to get passed. He has now pissed off people of the color of color throughout the country. And now you know what they're thinking about doing. They're thinking about piecing it out and passing it one piece at a time. And that's fine if you can get it done. But the fact of the matter is it's going to take longer. And you still have no assurance that you're going to get help from Mansion and Cinema. What Joe Biden needs to do is grab Cinema and Mansion by the ear, sit him down in the Oval Office, and tell him what the fuck was up. What Schumer should have done in the Senate is sit them down and say, look, you want to undermine democracy? Okay, you can do that. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to strip you of all your committee assignments. Now, that sounds harsh and maybe not what a Democrat would do, but you know what? The Republicans would. I mean, the fucking Republicans wanted to do it to people who voted for the impeachment of Donald Trump. But when you're president of the United States, you have a certain amount of leverage, you have a certain amount of power, and you need to be able to exercise that power when it is necessary. I don't mean exceeding your power like Donald Trump did. You know, coordinating with the Department of Justice. Joe Biden isn't doing it. But if you're going to be president and you're going to wield that much power, maybe the most power in the world, do it for fucking good. You mean to tell me you can't take Manchin 
and cinema, these little pissant senators from their respective states, and figure out some kind of deal or some kind of leverage to get them to go along with carving out the filibuster one time, one day, one vote, when it's been done over and over again in the Senate. For that, I'm disappointed in Joe Biden. I'm very disappointed in Schumer. He doesn't seem like a strong leader. If, by some chance, the uh, Democrats maintain majority in the Senate, I would not only think we would see, but I'd almost recommend that we get somebody tougher in there to be the majority leader. I mean, when you sit and watch Schumer, Chuck Schumer, and Mitch McConnell, Schumer still looks like the weak-ass minority leader. He's not strong enough. He doesn't have the pull. Now, I'm sure he's a fine guy. I'm sure he's very honest and a good senator, but he's not pulling his weight in the Senate right now. And frankly, Joe Biden isn't doing what he needs to do, what he's promised to do. Again, don't get mad at me for yelling about Joe Biden. I've told you before, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm for what's best for Americans in this country. Joe Biden right now is still the best choice for president. He's done a lot of great things, but that voting bill, that voting rights bill, was absolutely crucial. They couldn't get it passed, and now they're thinking, well, maybe we'll just do it one at a time. No, this has got to be stronger than that. You think the progressives are going to believe you now? After what happened with Build Back Better, Joe Biden has a problem with the progressives. He's going to tell the progressives, oh, I'll get it done for you, I'll get it done for you. But this time they're not going to believe him because he didn't come through. What they were worried about being shanghaied by the Republicans, oh, we'll do the bipartisan bill and then we'll talk about the Build Back Better bill. And then it was just like Lucy Lucy and Charlie Brown. Go ahead, Charlie, kick the ball. I'll hold it here, don't worry. And every fucking time Charlie approaches the ball, she pulls the ball up, he falls on his head. That's the Democrats right now when it came to the Um, infrastructure bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. They teased them with a carrot. And the Democrats believed them because Joe Biden says, don't worry, I got this. Turned out Joe Biden didn't have it. And the Democrats, especially the progressive Democrats, got played. You don't think that angers those folks? You don't think that's going to make it harder to deal with them? They're in your own party. But you left them out to dry. You left them twisting in the wind. As I say, Joe Biden's done a lot of good things. But this one thing is a bad problem. This voting rights bill, if it doesn't pass, that could uh, taint every one of our elections throughout the country. And it could do what we are fearful of. Allow the Republicans a chance to cheat. Because at this point, that's the only thing they can do in order to win elections. As Democrats, as Joe Biden in the White House, they've got to start shutting down these fucking Republicans. I mean, we're talking about criminals. We're talking about seditionists, treasonists. We're talking about corrupt criminal motherfuckers. It's one thing to be the nice guy and do all the right things. But you've got to be 
a tough guy in this situation, and you've got to shut these people down. I don't know exactly what a president can do, but i got to believe that he could have done a lot more than he did then. Here's something else to consider. The voting rights bill was absolutely crucial. And all the uh, activists with the people of color are saying, okay, you tried, you failed, but why did it take you 10 months to get here? If you look at all the all the speeches and things that gave that Joe Biden gave for all the things he was worried about, and I'll grant you all of them were important, COVID, Build Back Better. He very rarely talked about the voting rights bill, and I'll tell you why. He thought the uh, voting rights bill would be a trigger for Manchin and Cinema, and of course it was. He figured if he brought the voting rights bill up first, it would be harder to get the Build Back Better bill. So he wanted to get that under his belt and then approach them on the voting rights bill. Well, that's what he did, except none of it worked. You didn't get the Build Back Better bill. You didn't get the voting rights bill. Let's be honest, Joe, you fucked up on this one. Now, you're a human. You're not perfect. Things are going to happen. But now's the time to sit back and say, okay, I fucked up. Let's move forward. But now you've got to have some kind of plan you got to do something to fix this circumstance. And the idea of piecing out the voting rights bill and piecing out Build Back Better, that's well and good, but it's going to take forever, and there's still no guarantee that anybody like Manchin or Cinema is going to vote for it. So that doesn't seem like a really good strategy. I expect better out of the Democrats. I expect better out of Schumer. I expect better out of Joe Biden. I got my fingers crossed that we will see better. And hopefully that is the case. All right, we got the problems in the Ukraine. Now we got the Russians amassing troops on the Ukraine border. First it was about 10 or 15,000, maybe 20,000. That's pretty threatening. Well, now they got 100,000 troops over by the Ukraine border. And, of course, the Russians are saying, oh, we're not going to attack. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be honest. Vladimir Putin is nothing more than a bully. But he's a bully that has never had his nose bloodied. Everybody gives him space. Everybody gives him credit. He takes it to the limit. And then sometimes he backs off. Sometimes he says, fuck it. I'm going to invade the Ukraine. Now, if you listen to politicians... Uh, In America, they are suggesting they expect that Russia will invade the Ukraine. Now, people will say to me, why would he want to invade the Ukraine? Well, there's a few different ideas. First of all, if he invades the Ukraine, there's a, a big shore on the ocean there. Ports that he can use for Russia. And then there's the other aspect. You remember when Russia was the USSR, the Soviet Union, when it was a bunch of countries that all came together and then they went to shit and then everybody separated out? Vladimir Putin would like to get the Soviet Union or the USSR back together. That means power. That means strength. And to be perfectly honest with you, Vladimir Putin's got a problem with strength. Yes, he has a big military, but his country isn't working for shit. As I've said before, his economy sucks. 
So now Joe Biden is sitting here thinking about Vladimir Putin and the prospect of him invading Ukraine. And he just cannot have that. You don't let these people expand their power and just take over a country. Now, Ukraine's not in NATO, so that's a plus for Vladimir Putin. There are some NATO troops out there as well. So it's a frightening situation. Now, Joe Biden talks about sanctions. He said that he's not going to put troops on the ground and fight with the Russians, which is the right move. That can't be anything but bad if that's what they do. Joe Biden doesn't need to get us back into another war. And I don't think Joe Biden wants us to do that. So we're talking about sanctions. And there's a lot of things he can do. And as I've said, the Russians are in tough shape economically. So by imposing sanctions like shutting down a pipeline or not allowing Russians to use the U.S. dollar in their transactions in order to shut down this global payment thing called SWIFT, um, they can do a lot of damage to Vladimir Putin. And they keep saying, if you go into Ukraine, we're going to do some nasty stuff and you will regret it. And they're probably right. But the problem here is, is, as I said, Vladimir Putin's a bully who's never had his nose bloody. Somebody needs to smack this guy in the snout to get him back to where he belongs. Now, if Joe Biden is going to wait before he does anything until they invade the Ukraine, we're going to see a lot of damage to property and people killed and injured and wounded and that sort of thing. And then Joe's going to say, okay, that's enough. How about try to avoid the situation altogether? Slap some of those sanctions down now, just a couple of them. Make it tight for them. I mean, Jesus Christ, they put 100,000 troops on the Ukraine border. That should be enough for a little punishment. But give them a couple sanctions. Give them a taste of it so they can consider backing off. And then if they do go into the Ukraine even still, then hammer it down all the way. Shut that fucking economy down. Do everything you can to tear this country apart. This whole wimpy attitude of, well, let's sit back and wait. Let's not be too hasty here. You're talking about a bully. And bullies will continue to bully as long as they're allowed to bully. The only time bullies are stopped is when they get smacked in the snout. They get neutralized. They get embarrassed. They get weak. And if you want to save some lives, you better do something now. These guys are close to an invasion in Ukraine. It, it kind of what, what Vladimir Putin is doing, it kind of reminds me of when I was a little kid and uh, I had a younger brother. So when you have a younger brother, you terrorize him. You're constantly bickering with them and going back and forth. But it reminds me what Vladimir Putin is doing now is something we probably all did. <laughs> We'd be in a car and if I do something to my brother, my brother would say, Mom, he's touching me. Mom, he's hitting me. So what you would do then is you'd take your index finger and put it about a centimeter away from his cheek and just say, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. 
I'm not touching you. You're bugging the shit out of him, but you're not touching him. That's what Vladimir Putin's doing. And if we allow him to do that, he's just going to keep fucking doing it. Don't wait until people start getting killed. Shut this motherfucker down right now. Right the fuck now. So we don't have to deal with it after it's already started. Because oftentimes when it's already started, it's too late. We can't go back in time. So I'm hoping Joe Biden can get a little tough out there, not only um, with the Senate and in the country, but with this Russian-Ukraine situation. We need to be proactive if we hope to save lives and do some good. Now, a couple of other things I wanted to talk about. We've had a lot of celebrity deaths recently. We had um, Betty White. She is a national treasure. Bob Saget, TV's dad. Nice guy, talented guy. Um, And when I did this on TikTok, I got a little heat from somebody. Now, there's a lot of people who have died, and I didn't name them all off because it wasn't necessary. That wasn't the point of the story. Another person who has died is Sidney Poitier, who was also a fine actor and a nice man and all that sort of thing. Now, when I did the list on TikTok, I omitted Sidney Poitier. Not because I did it on purpose, because I was just trying to set up the story so that I can make the point. And I omitted Sidney Poitier. Now, most people didn't think anything of it. But, of course, on TikTok, you've got these people that come and they'll say, you should have said Sidney Poitier. Okay, I should have. But I've got limited time and it wasn't really the point of what I was trying to deliver. But one guy had the audacity to say to me, audacity to say to me, you omitted Sidney Poitier. You must be a racist, so I'm blocking you. (laughs) Jesus Christ, have you not listened to anything I've said on TikTok or in the podcast? This is the problem. I ended up blocking him because he's just looking for a fight. I'm far from racist. In fact, the next story after this will prove my point, but... The fact of the matter is, is that there's always somebody out there that wants to be offended. Now, if you're truly offended, I feel for you and you deserve to react to it. But don't go looking for shit for no reason. So I'm going to get to the point of this story. And I will add Sidney Poitier. Anyway, Betty White, Bob Saget, Sidney Poitier. And then we hear that Louis Anderson dies. Now, I feel kind of a kinship with Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson is about six or seven years older than I am. I didn't know him. But we grew up in essentially the same area, in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. He was from St. Paul. I was from Minneapolis. As I say, I didn't know him. But we both kind of came into our own in the 80s. I started doing what I wanted to do, and he was a comedian. And in those early 80s, there was a boom in comedy in this country, and especially in Minnesota. You could walk down the street and couldn't walk 20 feet without running into another comedy club. It was the hot thing to do. My wife and I would go out to comedy clubs all the time, and that's when uh, Louis Anderson was starting out, or at least in the early part of his career, and he was all around in town at some of the clubs. And he was part of the reason, really, why 
it had become so successful. Hugely talented, very funny man. And and uh, he is probably the most successful comedian to come out of the Twin Cities. Now, you got to remember, during this boom time, there were a lot of comedians that came out of this town or these towns, uh, a lot of them. Uh, there was one woman I'd watched on stage a number of times uh, while during the comedy era, Liz Winstead. She was here in Minneapolis. Well, Liz Winstead went on and did great things, not so much in front of the uh, camera, but she created, she invented and created the Daily Show on the Comedy Central channel. So she's very talented. But Louis was probably the most talented. So to find out he passed away of cancer was very sad. And then, as if that weren't enough, the same day we hear that Meatloaf died. Now, Meatloaf, to me, was very iconic. He had his big hit album, Bat Out of Hell, in the late 70s. I was in my late teens, so I was all over that album. Two out of three ain't bad, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Fucking awesome album, awesome songs. And we played those things over and over again. He was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. They were the midnight shows in Minneapolis, and uh, my friends and I saw it dozens of times. Big fan of Meatloaf. He was extremely talented. Now, what I found very frustrating with this situation was that there are anti-vaxxers out there that are suggesting that uh, these people are dying because they got the booster shot, the COVID booster shot, and that's what's killing them. And that's fucking ridiculous. Betty White was 99. Bob Saget, we don't know exactly what killed him, but it had to do with his heart or respiratory. It wasn't COVID, and it certainly wasn't the booster shot. Sidney Poitier, he was elderly and had some health issues. Louis Anderson had cancer. Now, none of this had anything to do with the booster, but the ironic thing is that Meatloaf, Meatloaf died of COVID, complications of COVID. And from what we can gather, based on reports, was that Meatloaf was an anti-vaxxer. I mean, he's of that age group. He's from Texas. It's not surprising. But when he was asked about not getting the vaccination, he's quoted it saying, if I die, I die. I will not be controlled. Okay. Fair enough. Now, when I get to this point, people are thinking, oh, he's going to rip Meatloaf. And I'm not. I mean, Meatloaf was important to me back in my teenage years. And at that time, I didn't care what his political attitudes were. And now, I don't care about his political stance either. He's an entertainer, a musician, and I enjoyed his music. But what I am truly upset about when I see stories like this, is the media and our government officials, those people that perpetuate the lies about COVID, the lies about the vaccines, causing people to believe this bullshit by the thousands. My question to them is, have you killed enough people yet? 
What's it going to take as far as deaths in America to feed your ego, to make you feel good? The blood is on your hands. You have caused this. We have lost important people in our lives, in this country, because of the things you're doing. Now, whether these are anti-vaxxers or not, we will always pray for the people that have passed on. But those of you that continue to perpetuate this bullshit, causing people to die, well, I can only hope for the worst for you in any way possible. So, fuck you. Last thing I'm going to talk about. I get really annoyed when people start talking about um, how the Democrats, the, let, me, let me put it a different way. I hear a lot of Democrats whining about, well, 2022, the Republicans are going to win. 2024, Donald Trump will run again and he'll be president again. Oh my, this is going to be horrible. It's terrible. Now, I've said many times that um, that's not going to happen. What people think is going to happen in 2022, where the Republicans will take control of the House and the Senate, not going to happen. Donald Trump will not run for president, and he will never be president again. Now, there are a number of reasons why I believe that. But there's one secret weapon that we have. One secret weapon that we can count on that has already worked for us. And that is the black women in this country. If not for black women in this country and their efforts during the election. Joe Biden wouldn't be in the Oval Office. Donald Trump would not be sitting in his dirty diaper down at Mar-a-Lago. If not for black women in this country, that wouldn't be the case. Donald Trump would still be president of the United States, and God knows where we would be headed. So when it comes to 2022, there are any number of reasons why the Republicans won't win. But one of our Ace up our sleeve is the black women in this country. They are tenacious and they are committed and they will push forward like they did in 2020. We had an amazing amount of people coming out to vote. Now, during the midterms, we know that a lot of times not many people come out. That's going to be different this year because people are still afraid. And the black women of this country, they are the superheroes in this country right now. And what I'm going to do is what every white man, old white man should do. To the black women of this country, thank you. And come 2022 or 2024, we're going to be fighting right there beside you because it's going to take all of us. All right, we're going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer podcast. Remember, there won't be a podcast tomorrow, but the next day and the next day, and we'll keep going like we're going now. So you have a great weekend. Uh, Be safe out there, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.